The Trek Files, Season 7, Episode 24, Maiden Wine Poem, 1968. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Oh, welcome back, Star Trek fans. Hey, especially you Star Trek historians, we've got a great show today that I think even the tech heads and the canonistas will enjoy. Well, everybody will, if you're a truckophile spelled with an F. <laughs> look, jump right over there. Take a look at this week's documents. They're really kind of on the rare side. As usual, you veterans know you can look at all those docs at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, here's an audio sample, but hang on. I'll be right back with our guest and all about today's topic. Dear Leonard, I'm sending you two versions of the song that we have agreed that you will sing in Act 4 of the above show. In order to completely protect us from any copyright problems, I've taken the liberty of paraphrasing some of the lyrics, and you will find them typed out for you below. Although I don't think that we need the complete choruses, I have put them down just in case. I imagine that David will probably want to have you sing the first chorus, then possibly the second, and then reprise by going back to the first stanza again. In any event, this seems to me to be sufficient material to handle everything here. Yes, Star Trek fans, we're turning to music this week, and not just any music. But I believe the only time that we got to hear Leonard Nimoy as Spock sing in the original series or the, uh, the original movies, at least to any notable degree, what's amazing is the story behind this song, much less this interesting little correspondence, because we have the benefit and the hindsight of history. We know what happened with Maiden Wine, and we know what his future was. And we don't have Leonard here to talk about it, so... I thought we'd have back our friend and our guest uh, who knows Leonard Nimoy, knew Leonard Nimoy uh, rather intimately, and especially the days working on the original series, even though he was just a kid at the time. And of course, I'm talking about Leonard's son, Adam Nimoy, who's had a long career in law, in directing, in entertainment, in special projects, documentaries, and, and authoring his own memoirs in his own right. Adam, thanks for coming back to the show today and, and talking about your dad a little more. Thanks for having me back, Larry. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Well, now, I, you know, I think anyone who's ever seen the blooper reel from the original series knows that you were, you were very much around, at least to some degree. That's an awesome shot when, when you come out on the bridge with Spock ears that they did as a gag. Uh, do, do you have a memory of, of your end of that, or, or is that kind of lost in the blur of time? Uh, those, that was one of those days that you never forget for the rest of your life. I remember it all from the very beginning. They, they, I was on the set watching them shoot that scene from What Little Girls Are Made Of. Uh, this is July 66. Uh, this is before the show even went on the air. Uh, they, they pulled me off the set. I was in Fred Phillips' makeup chair, he cut my hair, he shaved my eyebrows, and he glued some ears on me. They put me in the turbo lift. I remember standing there waiting for my cue. I remember all of it. Going out on the, on the bridge, kissing my dad, the crew cracking up. Uh, I remember all of it. It was uh, it was really exciting for me. 
So you were a willy, you you were excited too. It wasn't like a oh sure guys I'll do it like let's pull a joke on Leonard. Or, but you were you were willingly participating in all of that. Absolutely, I I just I, I was along for the ride. I love the idea. I mean they're always pulling practical jokes. You know a lot of it was to see you know if they could get Dad to crack up and uh, if they could pull some pranks on him. Bill Shatner was doing that all the time. So uh, to get him out of character. Um, uh, I, it, it, you know, I was there a lot as much as I could be on the set. I was really enjoying it. It was I was old enough to really understand what they were doing, uh, having watched quite a bit of TV in the 60s, uh, being a big Outer Limits, Lost in Space fan, you know, uh, Twilight Zone fan. So uh, I, I was ready for Star Trek. And I'm so glad I'm so grateful that I knew what, what it was they were doing and was able to appreciate it. Right, that you were there long enough. Well, I uh, so I think you said you were there. So this wasn't like take your son to work day. You you got to go. He brought you by when you could uh, to watch work. Well, yeah, I mean a lot. The first production, most of the production seasons start in July, June or July. Mm -hmm. So it's summer vacation, and I have free time. So uh, when I could, I would. I would. Uh, I might not always go in to the with dad. Uh, I did on a couple of occasions actually go with him early in the morning. Um, but then my mother would come and pick me up. I, I was not going to be there for 12 hours, certainly. Right. Uh, I, I think one of my favorite moments was I was getting dad and Bill to autograph some of the promo pictures I had. Uh, and after the second or third one, my father said to me, that's enough. In, in like Spock voice, you know, it's like, I got to focus here. Don't bother me, kid. I'm trying to stay in character. So what were, you, were those for friends or just for you? Different poses? for me. I still I still oh, have okay. a couple of them. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I'm fond of remembering is that when you walked onto stage eight, Jim Rugg's special effects uh, uh, little kind of uh, section, he, he had a little uh, work cabin that was built right on the set and making all these resin molds for all those buttons on the Enterprise. And it's just like, I, I mean, I was too young for this, but I mean, it was just, it, the smell was incredible. It just hit you. Uh, you know, uh, it was just one of the things that, one of the first experiences of being on a soundstage that I remember distinctly. That's amazing. The the olfactory sense of the Enterprise buttons being made. That's yeah, and that that glue sniffer kind of you know sensation. I mean, I I made yeah. model airplanes, you know, and I had Rexall <laughs> glue. We all loved it. We didn't know what it meant as a kid. We just knew it smelled good. Uh, anyway, it was just it, it was just an exciting time. It was you know it was it was really a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and you said this day, the famous blooper day, was summer vacation. You were home, but the show hadn't aired yet. Do you remember anything? the way your dad as as the show evolved from you know the popularity and then spock is the out of the box hit and then the tension with shatner the wait i'm supposed to be the top dog and then you're a second banana and and then they worked that out and then went on with the show and then the tension i mean did any of that come home did you sense especially at least when the show aired like it went from being in a vacuum to a known quantity did any of that so you know, did, did that filter down to home? No, not really. I mean, I wasn't really aware of that. I mean, he had a lot of conversations with my mother about what was going on on the set, but I was not privy to that. But I did have some conversations with him much later, you know, in the last uh, five, 10 years of his life. We were talking a lot of reflecting back at what was going on. And I was kind of rewatching some episodes. We were thinking about doing this documentary about Spock together. So I was kind of getting back into it a little bit. Uh, and I asked him that question, you know, I, 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 because he told me so many stories over the years after the fact about mm -hmm. him and Bill and what was going on. And, and my question to my dad was the on-screen chemistry between the two is so amazing, so fantastic. It's just, it's so compelling. 
um, I wanted to know from my dad how they were able to pull all that off with all this stuff going on behind the scenes. And my dad said to me quite simply that they were professionals, that when the camera was rolling, they took put all that aside and, mm -hmm. and really knew what they were doing and really were on their game. They were both had a lot of experience. Uh, Bill had a lot of film, feature film experience before coming to Star Trek and dad had done so much episodic TV bit roles that they knew what they were doing by then. On his game is what dad would say by the time he got that role. Uh, and they let all that kind of go and they just focused on the work. Yeah. Well, the documents this week we have are about Maiden Wine, which is, you know, Plato's stepchildren, third season, you're a couple of years older uh, than when you were in the blooper time. So I don't know how much of this filtered down to you, but just as a story in itself, and, and you being maybe the best person to, to even begin to think about this now or talk about it now, these little, I don't know what you think, but you, did you, do you, do you know Bob Justman well, either, you know, in later years or, or Well, no, all? I mean, no, I do not know Bob Justman well, but I know a, a lot of the stories about working with Bob. I mean, Bob Justman is, is an amazing producer, uh, instrumental in keeping the show going, uh, you know, even after Gene left the show. Right. Uh, so uh, the fact of the matter is that, look, uh, there's always tension on these shows. There's a lot of strong personalities making these shows. There's a lot of headbanging that goes on to making the shows, but it's all for the good of the show, really. I mean, in, in the end, it's everybody's trying to produce the best show possible. Uh, my dad had a lot of struggles. I mean, there's a lot of struggles with my dad about the fact that Spock was a very popular character, uh, yet you still have to deal with the producers in the studios and you still have to do the job. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of back and forth. I mean, there's, you know, uh, dad mm -hmm. fought a lot for the character. Mm -hmm. uh, he fought a lot for the integrity of the character. Uh, I don't think he appreciated necessarily being rewritten by Bob Justman on the lyrics. I know my dad, he would not have appreciated it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of that going on. On the other hand, uh, you know, I, I always liken it to uh, the Beatles on the White Album. Major conflict, according to Jeff Emmerich, the engineer on that project, just, just flat out conflict, you know, of, of the Beatles during that period. And they managed to create a masterpiece. I mean, if you look at the songwriting, everybody's writing their own stuff. There's very little collaboration going on on the White Album. They right. produced a masterpiece. Well, I, in my opinion, the same thing's going on in any great work of art, any collaborative work of art. There's going to be differences of opinion. You have very strong personalities between Gene and Bill and Leonard alone. You know, and then add Bob Jessman to the right. mix. You have right. a lot of strong personalities. The and whoever is, yeah, studio and all that on down on top of that. And the studio. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah you have, always have these issues. It's always about art and commerce and staying on time, staying on budget, and everybody's got an idea. And, you know, there's a confluence of all this creativity going on and these creative minds going on. I think everybody's intentions were good, and they're just trying to create a better product. Uh, and, and I think the show speaks for itself. Right. Well, just the saga of our documents this week, we start off with the song in the, in the script with Bob just saying, I know Leonard would do a great job, but maybe the script, the script is too fat and we should just cut it. And we go from there to a week, you know, in the eternity of the evolution of a show in production down to, okay, well, we're keeping it. And Leonard's written the lyrics and here's Bob presuming to rewrite them because of legal. I don't understand if it's his original song, what's going on. But we know how the saga ended because... Because they don't use Bob's lyrics, Leonard sings his his lyrics, and we've got them here. And then they even wound up on the album a couple of years, you know, a couple years later, one of those uh, albums that he did. Hey, Larry, I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, Leonard was told that we're going to go with the re Bob's rewrite, and he just sang his own lyrics anyway. That would not <laughs> surprise me. 
Well, what's what what uh, what brings us back personal and loops it back to the family here is I have this memory of being blown away the first time I saw an actor at a convention. You know, now we'd say skyping in or zooming in, and it was it was like an astounding technological achievement. Twenty twelve, I'm at a convention in Florida, and your dad is starting to suffer and cut back on his travel. Right. With, with his COPD, but he was trying to find a way to still reach the fans. And I know he did this two or three times, did it once in the UK, but the first time in the States, uh, he was Skyping in and he, and he had a laptop and he was coming in on webcam and he even walked around his back room, the room that had the train. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, he, right. he went yeah. out in the backyard and dropped his laptop and everybody kind of gasped in the audience. I mean, it was an amazing, we were watching this and he picked it up and it was like, okay, it's all fine. I was like, oh, here, here comes the great end of the experiment. But no, it, it, the signal kept going and he picked it up and just, you know, did his laugh <laughs> and, and showed the backyard. It was amazing. But along the way, it started with, I believe it's your son, his grandson. They sang Maiden Wine, guitar and singing. And he told a story about how basically on friday said what are we going to do here i'll I'll do something and we're going to shoot it on monday and that according to this story and i haven't found it written anywhere else and you didn't well i don't know if you have a memory leonard said at that moment that he wrote it over the weekend and came in monday and they just did it that is his recollection of me as well that's what he told me yeah no it was a really great bonding moment that my son jonah uh was able to accompany him on guitar uh because you know uh it's it's just interesting that my dad and Jonah were, let me say, academically challenged in school. <laughs> uh, my dad really disappointed his parents when he said he was not going to college. And mm-hmm. uh, we knew early on that Jonah was not going to be going to college. Uh, but they are both very similar in that respect. I mean, they had a lot of bonding the last several years of my dad's life. My dad even said to Jonah, you're a true artist because Jonah also does a lot of graphic design work, a lot of illustration work. The fact is, Jonah was passionate about his music, and he's uh, just finished a short tour. He's out with a band called The Offspring, a very important punk band that began in the 90s, who had their first hit in 1994 when my son was two. And he's (laughs) in this band now. Uh, He's an incredible musician on drums and guitar uh, and very passionate about his work. And he knew he wanted to do when he was eight, much like my dad. They're very much mirror images of each other. Uh, you know, and I, I'm like in between these two crazy artists in the family. So, uh, you know, it was a very special time for them. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad my dad picked up on Maiden Wine. I still have the guitar that he wrote it on. I managed to keep hold of this, oh. this uh, acoustic guitar we bought in Tijuana back at, before, the, uh, before the series started. Uh, and we have some pictures of Spock playing this guitar. I've seen pictures of him with a guitar, like black and white, like maybe in yeah. makeup in the office. Is that the guitar? Yeah, he's in his office. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I, ha- I have that guitar. <laughs> that's amazing. That's what I learned on. Well, the, the, um, oh, that's awesome. That is so incredible. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I, uh, the historian in me, though, is looking at this Bob Justman. Gee, Leonard, let me rewrite these just to be legally better off, which makes no sense. He's dated this September 11th, and I'm looking as they're shooting the show. I, I, this whole thing about him writing the lyrics, maybe he created the music. He'd written the lyrics early and was going to write the music, which I'm going to, I'm going to lean into that because the Friday of the break is actually that year is Friday the 13th. So he, ooh, Friday the 13th. So he would have had the lyrics written in time for Bob to write him back about it. And I'm going to go with, he wrote the music over the weekend and came in with it on, on Monday, the, uh, Monday the 16th here. So. 
I think or, I just or he had some idea. Yeah, that's possible. Or he may have had yeah. some idea. Again, his guitar is in his off. That guitar is in his office. So he might have been, you know, tinkering with mm -hmm. it already before the weekend started. Well, and I and I'm looking at this now. His handwriting on the uh, on the verses says nine sixteen sixty eight, and that's that Monday of shooting. But you pointed out something here. This the uh, the music company that he's got down here. Yeah, Adajul is. Uh, oh yes, Adajul is uh, a combination of my name and my sister Julie's name. That right. was the original publishing company my dad started. They later changed the name to Petunia Productions, which was the name of our cat. Uh, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, Julie and I have never had any control of that publishing entity. We, if you could help us get the rights back, Larry, I would really appreciate it. Okay, we'll start a campaign here today, Adam. Yeah, we'll uh, just, yeah letter writing campaign. We'll do one of those uh, petition signature things online and uh, or the whitehouse.gov or something. We'll get it back to you. We'll, we'll work on that now. Or save Star Trek or Spock for president. Any one of those campaigns. One of those, one of those. So did, did over the years, did aside from Jonah having that memory with your dad uh, on that very early edition of a, of a call-in, did, did you have any other, and not having the rights, I guess not having the rights means you don't have much of a memory of this, but did you and your, I mean, Leonard had his photography, he had his music. Um, any, oh, yeah, any there's all of, those albums. Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah I used to yeah. go with him to the studio when he recorded. Uh, uh, a number of those albums, which was always was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I I got to tell you, I mean, yeah, he produced a lot of work. He was just musically inclined, not a great voice. His musical theater was outstanding, however. Uh, Camelot, Fiddler on the Roof, Oliver, uh, you know, particularly Fiddler, he was just outstanding. I mean, he he auditioned for the for the uh, director who knew nothing about Star Trek, Ben Shackman, having already cut these records and and. Uh, Ben said, can you sing? And my dad said, yeah, oh, yeah, I can sing. And uh, Ben was like, well, maybe you think you can sing. I'm going to have you audition with the musical director of this production. And he did. And the musical director said, Leonard can do it. He can do this. And he was fabulous at it. I mean, a lot of the records have stuff that's, you know, kind of funny, kitschy things that are not, you can't take too serious, too seriously. But it's, a lot of the stuff is actually, I think, is really, yeah. really well done. You know, they're not all the ballad. I mean, the ballad of Bilbo Baggins and the little video from yeah. uh from 60s tv is a classic mm -hmm. but yeah he, he it's a classic embarrassment for the rest of us in the family quite, quite frankly it's so ridiculous <laughs> it's just it's just a joke it's so ridiculous so here is our yeah thank you dr domeno in all those years but here the touch exactly. of Ned nimoy is the album that has uh, maiden wine on it but yeah he has a lot of thoughtful reflective folk song and, and ballad singing and uh, yeah he does again it's a mixed bag but i really love some of the music he produced oh oh well uh, thanks again, Adam, for coming in. This has been a really nice personal look through a, a side of Leonard Nimoy that we haven't always gotten to see. So thanks for joining us again. And of all those projects coming down the pike, uh, we'll be looking for what's the first thing coming up? That well, we're the gonna... thing I uh, one of the things that's coming up is in December, we're going to be screening uh, the documentary for the Love of Spock at the Ball Center. Uh, to kind of uh, help promote the new exhibit that's there, Exploring mm -hmm. Strange New Worlds, um, a really great exhibit that comes from the Museum of Popular Culture in Seattle. Yep. And uh, that's here have, in L.A. That's in L.A., that's in mm -hmm. Los Angeles. We have, uh, there's some stuff coming up with Sm Sm Smithsonian we're going to start to uh, make announcements about. We have, uh, we're, we're working on a couple of books about Spock and Star Trek that there'll be more announcements about. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, we'll have more information as uh, the weeks in the weeks ahead. 
Excellent, excellent. Well, again, thanks so much for coming in and, and sharing this about your work and also uh, some of these moments with your dad. They're just precious. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me, Larry. Okay. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. All of our documents, like these, and your chance to comment, of course, are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. And hey, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47, that's me, at larrynemachek.com. And yes, there's new Trek Files swag and shirts at the Trekland shop at tpublic.com slash stores slash trekland hyphen shop. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.